Welcome to Take 10, a 10-minute podcast series by the Great Lakes MHTTC that focuses on self-care and personal well-being. Your host is Mark Sanders, and thank you for joining us today. Today, we will talk about helping clients reduce isolation and relapse prevention during COVID-19. I always like to begin with a story. This story is about boxer Muhammad Ali. When he was in the peak of his career as the greatest fighter, he was invited to a home with people living with Alzheimer's to cheer him up. He brought his entourage with him. Muhammad Ali walked in a room where there were 20 people living with Alzheimer's. And he said, the champ is here. I'm the greatest of all time. Don't you recognize me? Not one of them recognized Muhammad Ali. He walked into a second room and there were 20 people there living with Alzheimer's. Muhammad Ali said to him, the champ is here. I'm the greatest of all time. Don't you recognize me? Not one of them moved. Not one of them recognized Muhammad Ali. He walked into a third room and there was a 85 year old man in that room sitting by himself, staring out of the window. Muhammad Ali walked up to him and said, the champ is here. I'm the greatest of all time. Don't you recognize me? He didn't move, didn't blink. He didn't recognize Muhammad Ali. And as Ali was leaving with his entourage, the 85-year-old man said, champ, I recognize you. You're my boyhood hero. He says, all my life I wanted to meet you, champ. Finally, my boyhood dream has come true. You're the greatest of all time, Joe Lewis. Bundini Brown ran up to the 85-year-old man and said, that's not Joe Lewis. That's not flat-footed Joe Lewis. That's Muhammad Ali. Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. And Ali said to Bundini Brown, cool it, man, cool it. Didn't you hear what he said? He said his boyhood dream was to meet his hero. Never kill a person's dream. Depression, addiction, unemployment, COVID-19, schizophrenia, kills dreams. And you are the individual that encourage clients to dream about what's possible for them in recovery. So I salute you for being a dream maker. Let's talk about COVID-19 and relapse prevention. In Canada, they did an experiment called Rat Park. And they took these laboratory rats and isolated them in cages by themselves. And all they had to eat or drink was a sweet tasting morphine. And then the researchers introduced trauma and electric shock to their cage. And these laboratory rats discovered by trial and error that the way you get rid of the trauma, the electric shock, was to drink the sweet tasting morphine. Then they wondered what would happen once they were uh, addicted to the sweet tasting morphine and they were no longer traumatized. And you guessed correctly, 100% of them drank the sweet tasting morphine until they overdosed and died. The researchers wondered what would happen if you took laboratory rats. So they isolated them in cages by themselves. You put them in cages with other laboratory rats and you gave them space and a great America-like experience, a rat merry-go-round and swing and swimming pool. And all they had to eat or drink was a sweet tasting morphine. And then you introduced trauma. What would happen once the trauma stopped? What the researchers found is that in community, none of those, none of those rats overdosed and died, and they drank five times less morphine. Someone said that we should call traumatic stress disorders illnesses of isolation. 
People tend to get the symptoms of PTSD when they're isolated and alone. Perhaps we should call addiction the illness of isolation. Someone said the opposite of addiction is not recovery. The opposite of addiction is connection. There was a study in which they took these chimpanzees and they put five things in their cage. Bananas, grapes, water, a solid form of cocaine and a solid form of heroin. And researchers wanted to know, given a choice between bananas, grapes, water, a solid form of cocaine and a solid form of heroin, what two chimpanzees naturally prefer? Bananas was number one, grapes number two, water three, and they tend to leave cocaine and heroin alone. Researchers wondered what would happen if you remove their mother from the caged area and then their father and then took away their playmates and their siblings. What they discovered is that in isolation, they started munching on cocaine and heroin. As COVID-19 hit and fewer and fewer people were able to go to face-to-face 12-step and other mutual aid groups, they became more vulnerable to relapse. Incredible story about this flight attendant that developed alcoholism, drinking those small bottles of liquor they serve on airplanes. You know those small bottles of liquor. They're small, but they can get you drunk. And they smelled liquor on her breath and she was forced into drug treatment, almost lost her job. And shortly after treatment, the flight attendant took a short flight from Las Vegas to the International Airport in Los Angeles. When she got off the plane, she had an unbelievable urge to have a drink. She was standing in Terminal 12. And she saw all that liquor to her left. And she ran over to the person holding a microphone to her right and asked, would you make an announcement? The announcement was, will all the friends of Bill W., the co-founder of AA, please report to Terminal 12. And she said that within 15 minutes, 20 people showed up from all over the world and said they were friends of Bill W. And they held a 20-person, 12-step group meeting right there at Terminal 12. The good news is during COVID-19, so many of our clients are accessing mutual aid groups by going to websites such as www.aa.org or www.na.org or www.smartrecovery.org, et cetera, accessing virtual 12-step group meetings, not only in their neighborhood like they would do locally, but some people are reporting they're accessing 12-step group meetings and other mutual aid groups all over the world. We owe a great deal of gratitude to Terrence Gorski, the father of relapse prevention. And um, you know, I'll talk about Gorski's work in a moment, but I had a conversation with my brother. And he said that he believes that part of the key to maintaining recovery during COVID-19 is to talk by phone or FaceTime three people per day in recovery, just to talk about recovery. He went on to say that nobody, uh, most people don't develop addiction in isolation and recovery also involves a sense of community. Terrence Gorski revolutionized addictions treatment by coming up with a model called individualized relapse prevention planning. And Gorski said that each person with active addiction has five, five primary relapse triggers. Part of his approach was to have them to write down each relapse trigger, each of the five, on a five by seven index card, and then read the triggers out loud each day on a regular basis. So what we discovered through that work is that if you write them down, you're using your sense of touch. If you look at them, your sense of sight. If you say them out loud, your sense of sound. What we've learned 
is that the more the five um, senses a client can bring to bear on relapse, the less likely they are to relapse because at this point they're so aware of their triggers that it makes it a little less likely they might relapse. The next task is um, in addition to writing down their triggers each day and saying them out loud, is to ask your clients on a regular basis, have they discovered any new triggers, any new relapse triggers during COVID-19? You might remember the acronym HALT, which stands for hungry, angry, lonely, tired. If you wanna get sober, they say try to avoid getting too hungry, too angry, too lonely, too, too, too lonely or too tired. I've discovered that you can use HALT with clients during COVID-19. But first let's talk about hunger. The hunger doesn't mean just necessarily that you are hungry for food. Hunger can include anything that you want too much. I have to have that relationship. I have to have that job. I have to have that car. So what I've discovered when I've done HALT with clients virtually, uh, disproportionately the men I work with say that of the four, of the HALT, of the four of these, they're more likely to think about getting high if they're angry most of the women I report with report that they're more likely to think about getting high if they're lonely. So I ask them, what's the number one trigger from HALT? Anger or loneliness leads with men and women. What's number two? It reverses itself. The men say after anger, I'm more likely to think about relapsing or using if I'm lonely. The women say they're angry. I found that this is an excellent tool to use with clients, particularly during a, a, the era of COVID-19 when relapses are increasing. We've also discovered that movement is also something important to recognize, recommend to your clients who are in social isolation uh, and uh, quarantine. Trauma lodges itself in the human body. The great majority of clients with mental health challenges and substance use disorders have histories of trauma. What we've learned is that the brain can forget some of the details of the trauma, but the body remembers. That is why sometimes when you hug someone that has a history of trauma, their body will tense up. Bessel van der Kolk wrote a book called The Body Keeps the Score. And he really highlights how trauma lodges itself in the human body. So we want to encourage our clients to get up and move. Don't be a couch potato and just sit still. They asked September 11 survivors what helped them to most to survive September 11. Acupuncture was number one. Massage, number two. Any kind of movement is three. In fact, Bessel van der Kolk said that any kind of movement is good for the traumatized body and brain. And then the next was dance, was dance, getting up and dancing. You know, Langston Hughes, the, the great poet, uh, told the story of a dish called chicken and waffles. You've heard of a dish called chicken and waffles. So according to Langston Hughes, African-Americans left the Southern states, Mississippi, Alabama, Arkansas, and traveled to Harlem in New York during the during the, rent, during, the, um, during the Renaissance. And uh, they would dance until three o'clock in the morning during the Harlem Renaissance. When was the last time you danced until three o'clock in the morning? You see, when you dance until three o'clock in the morning, you work up an appetite. But because it was 3 a.m. when they left the dance clubs in Harlem, they couldn't decide if they were hungry for dinner or vegetables. I'm sorry, dinner or breakfast. Couldn't decide if they were hungry for dinner or breakfast. That's the birth of chicken and waffles. Thank you so very much. Enjoy your day. Take 10 Podcast is sponsored by the Great Lakes MHTTC through cooperative agreements with SAMHSA. The opinions expressed in this series are those of the speakers and do not represent the official position of SAMHSA or DHHS. 
Before you go, don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast series. And please follow us on social media for many more products and resources just like this.